0: The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast-paced. It's like a good two-minute drill. We are just boom, 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 right down the field. Opinionated. If they take the David
1: Price savings and the Mookie Betts savings and pocket the money, it will have been a lie, and the fan base will be furious. To the point. Cam is not that guy. He's not the kind of athlete that works in today's NFL for the most part.
0: It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. It is the Brady Farkas Show on a Wednesday right here on WDEV, AM, and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We go up until 7 o'clock, full 90 minutes here of sports talk. Remember, if you ever miss anything on the show, you can always download the full show podcast, Apple podcasts, and on Spotify, or find us at WDEV radio.com. If you want to interact with me, you can at WDEV radio. Brady, Freddie Coleman of ESPN is going to drop by in about 15 minutes from now and give us his take on the Patriots, the Red Sox. And, uh, couple other things as well. Freddie and I are going to have some fun at uh, 5.45. He talks with us every single Wednesday. Again, interact with me at WDEV Radio Brady. show is sponsored by the all-new Preston's Kia in Montpelier, home of Lifetime Oil Changes and State Inspections. Preston's Kia is family-owned and operated, and they will do whatever it takes to earn and keep your business. I had planned to do a lot of Alex Cora today, a lot of reaction to Alex Cora being hired in his press conference, etc., But in radio, you have to sometimes table your plans, and you have to amend them. Yesterday, I went to bed thinking it's going to be a lot of Cora. Today, I woke up. Cora's going to have to be tomorrow, and that actually works out well because former Red Sox infielder Lou Merlone is going to stop by the show tomorrow and talk with us, and you hear him on this station doing Red Sox games all season long. reason we can't do Alex Cora is because we have to do a lot of Bill Belichick today. So good balance the next two days. Today, a lot of Patriots and Belichick. Tomorrow, a lot of Red Sox and Cora. And the reason why is because I was listening to Colin Cowherd, national radio host. He thinks Bill Belichick should leave at the end of this season. His premise is that the Patriots are so bad, and they are in such dire straits, and they don't have a quarterback, and they won't be picking high enough to go get an elite quarterback in the draft, that they are pretty much unsavable, and that Belichick should leave. Here's Colin talking about Belichick potentially leaving at the end of the year.
2: You did it the hard way in New England. You built it from scratch. You, deserve, you turned Brady into a six-round pick to a star. Belichick has earned the right to cherry pick. At the end of his career, Peyton Manning earned the right to pick Denver. Tom Brady earned the right to pick the Buccaneers and their weapons. Bill Belichick has earned the right to go, I don't want to rebuild.
1: So not only does Colin think he should leave New England, he thinks he should go coach somewhere else. And he's got teams and places and reasons why he would be a better fit or other places would be a better fit for him than Foxborough. I'll get to all all of that momentarily. I haven't given any thought to Belichick leaving at this point. When I heard this, the reason why it's leading this show was because this was a new concept to me. I have never pictured Bill Belichick not being in football and not being in Foxborough. I have just assumed that Belichick likes to build, right? That Belichick likes to construct and he likes to tweak and that he enjoys the process and that, yes, the team isn't as good this year, but it's all a part of some master plan where Belichick tries to, and I don't know that he will, but tries to restore the Patriots to glory again without Tom Brady. And that Belichick likes the process of being the architect that builds something. The question then becomes, is it easier? For Bill Belichick to build the Patriots, or is it easier for him to go to a new place and instill that culture and get buy-in? Because that's not easy. You can go to a new place and you can have players, and the quarterback can look good, and everything can look good on paper. It's not easy to go to a new place and bring a rigid system and be a rigid guy and instantly get buy-in, okay? Joe Judge, one of Belichick's guys, we think a very good head coach, has what was a first round quarterback in Daniel Jones. Joe Judge is two and seven. He's two and seven. Like just going to the Chargers with Justin Herbert doesn't instantly guarantee Bill Belichick's success. Just going to Houston with Deshaun Watson doesn't just guarantee Belichick's success. Joe Judge is two and seven. Brian Flores, who we think is a very good coach of Miami, finished, what, five and eleven last year? Five and eleven. Brian Flores, good head coach, finished five and eleven. Probably going to miss the playoffs this year. Well, they're five and three. If they do get in, they don't win the division. They're somewhere in the wild card range, and they go out in the first round. Like that—that's where you're at here. Good head coach is going to not win the division, and has his quarterback now in Tua, and doesn't finish in the top in the top spot in the AFC East. Like let's so let's just not act like it's a quick fix somewhere else. I don't know that it's a quick fix in Foxborough. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I also know it's not necessarily a quick fix somewhere else. Lou Piniella left the Reds, went to Seattle, doesn't have a winning season for two years. That's Lou Piniella. That's a Hall of Famer. Goes to Seattle, doesn't have a winning season for two years. Then leaves Seattle, goes to Tampa, three years there, never has a winning season. That's Lou Piniella. That's a Hall of Famer. Okay? I don't know that the quick fix exists anywhere, right? Like, there's very rarely a ready-made team. Quarterbacks go to bad teams, right? Good quarterbacks go number one, two, five, ten overall. They go to bad teams, by and large. Head coaches get hired to go fix things. They don't get hired often in ready-made situations. Zach Taylor gets the Bengals job. Team, awful. Number one pick in the draft his first year there. Joe Judge, awful. Team was picking third overall in the draft. Ron Rivera, Washington, awful. Team picking, second overall in the draft when he gets there. Like, it's not – very rarely do you go to some ready-made fix. So this idea that Colin Cowherd thinks that New England is so woe that they're unsavable, but yet there's multiple other places that are incredible for Belichick, I'm not buying that. Let's examine the teams that Colin Cowherd thinks Bill Belichick should go to and that he thinks would be better fits than the New England Patriots. Let's start with the Chargers.
2: L.A. Chargers. They need a new coach, right? They got the star quarterback. They're in a crowded sports market. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Rams, U.S. to hockey, to soccer, to baseball, World Series champs, NBA champs. They got to make a splash. Justin Herbert and Belichick sell tickets to a franchise, the Chargers, that can't sell tickets.
1: So the whole basis of Collins thought process is there they have Justin Herbert the quarterback is set and Herbert certainly looks like a star you also do I have to acknowledge have some good defensive players there right Joey Bosa Melvin Ingram Derwin James when he's healthy is a very very good kind of hybrid safety linebacker Keenan Allen um, Austin Eckler you have good players with the Chargers a team that was in the playoffs just a couple of years ago that is all true peel back the onion a little bit the Chargers are fine Herbert looks great but do you really want to go up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year? Because Patrick Mahomes is winning that division for a decade. Bill Belichick isn't coaching for ten more years. He's coaching for maybe five, but probably less. Like you're not building something that beats Mahomes in the limited amount of time that Belichick has. Okay, you you go to you go to the Chargers, and then all of a sudden you go up against Mahomes. He wins the division, and you end up in the same position I'm just talking about Miami being in, where you start no better than fifth in the AFC playoff picture. That's something that I want? I don't think so. And by the way, the Chargers do still have a coach at this moment. Anthony Lynn is still the head coach. He might get fired, but as of now, he is still a coach. So let's not just act like Belichick can just pick the Chargers at will right now. He can't. They have a coach. and Until he gets fired, Belichick doesn't have any chance at going to the Chargers. I don't want to go to a – it's the same reason why I didn't want Tom Brady to go to the Chargers this offseason. You don't want to go up against Mahomes. Brady wanted to go where he could win a division. Carolina was going to be bad. The Saints were good but getting worse. Now, they've beaten the Bucks twice, but that's how Brady read it. The, the Saints are getting worse. And then Atlanta, dumpster fire, and he was right about that. He went to a winnable division. Going to the Chargers for Brady wasn't a winnable division. He didn't want to go up against Mahomes. Belichick shouldn't want to go up against Mahomes. So then Colin continues on, and he says, well, what about Jacksonville? They're going to be a team picking probably in the top two of the draft. They can get one of the elite quarterbacks.
2: Look around the league right now. The Jags are going to get the number two pick in a star quarterback. Bill Belichick, old guys like Florida. Parcells went there, so did Coughlin. Jags, Bill, run the whole show. You're the coach, you're the quarterback, here's Justin Fields. It is built for Belichick. Nope, that's not true either.
1: Old guys go to Florida, he says. Tom Coughlin goes back to Jacksonville. Team bad, Coughlin gone. It, bye. Parcells goes to, goes to the Dolphins, and nobody even remembers he was there. Like When I think Bill Parcells, I think Jets, Giants, Patriots, Cowboys. No one remembers anything about his Dolphins tenure. I barely remember anything about his Dolphins tenure, like the, the Jaguars are 26th in the league in scoring, 30th in the league in defense. Get, just getting Justin Fields doesn't fix everything. He's likely great, right? Like Justin Fields looks great, and when he plays for Ohio State, he's been electric so far through a couple of games on Saturdays. But even young QBs who are great don't yield instantly great teams. Kyler Murray's great. He didn't make the playoffs in his first year. In fact, he finished last in his first year, last year, with the Cardinals. Joe Burrow looks great. His team, awful. Well, getting better, but they're not going to the playoffs. They're going to finish last in the AFC North, behind Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. Baker Mayfield, his first year, didn't make the playoffs, didn't make it his second year. Herbert's not going to make the playoffs. Mahomes had to sit a year just to get the job so he could make the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, Jacksonville has to deal with the Colts, who are very good. And i got to think they're going to get a quarterback that's better than Phillip Rivers, so they're going to be a player for any quarterbacks that might be available. Best defensive front in the league, among the best offensive lines in the league, you got good young running back Jonathan Taylor, good head coach in Frank Reich. Like The Colts are a problem. The Titans are a problem, too, with Vrabel, Tannehill, and Derrick Henry. So you're not going into Jacksonville with a rookie quarterback and then all of a sudden taking over that division either. Well, then Collin's like, well, what about Houston? Houston fired their coach, Bill O'Brien. They have a quarterback in Deshaun Watson. And some of the guys in the uh, front office there, Jack Easterby, they're former Patriots guys. That would work well. I don't know that it would. Watson is great. Deshaun Watson is great. I love watching him play. Great guy, great player. Same scheduling issues I just gave you for Jacksonville. They exist for Houston. Colts, good. Titans, good not an easily winnable division. And by the way, next year, in a year that you're talking about, the, the crossover division for the AFC South is the NFC West. You're going to go and play like you're going to take Justin Fields and be really good by playing Seattle, San Francisco, the Rams, and and Arizona. I don't think so. I don't think Jacksonville with the rookie quarterbacks going on the going on and beating all four of those teams. I don't know they're beating one of those teams. And they also play the AFC East where we think Buffalo's very good again next year and we think that Miami's very good next year and the Patriots are capable of beating a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields. Not a very great situation to walk into there if you're Belichick. So before we just sit here and say that things are way better around the league than they are in New England, are we sure they're way better? Herbert... Goes up against Mahomes twice a year, doesn't win the division. Yeah, the weather's great, but you can't you can't win your division and that's the quickest path to the playoffs. Then Houston, Jacksonville, bad teams playing good schedules in tougher divisions than New England. Why am I not convinced? Like why am I like how am I not sure that maybe, just maybe, the Patriots are an easier fix than some of these other teams? I get it. The quarterback means everything, and that's why Colin is so gung-ho on the idea of Belichick leaving. But the Patriots just might be a better situation than any of these places for the reasons I outlined above. The Patriots also have, by the way, the most cap space in the NFL projected, a top 15 pick as it stands right now, compensatory picks coming for guys who left. Houston doesn't have a first-round pick last for, for next year because they gave it up to Miami to get Laramie Tunzel, so they're, they're not getting a top player in the draft. And also, we also have to remember this. Belichick is under contract. We don't know what his contract looks like, but Belichick is under contract for New England. The Patriots, when they got Bill Belichick in 2000, they had to trade a first-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a seventh-round pick to get him. And that was before he was Belichick. So imagine what it would cost to for a team to trade for Belichick. The Patriots would get a king's ransom, and the team that Belichick was going to, supposedly the better situation, would be gutted from their draft picks for the, the years that he would be there. The guys who he could draft and develop to help him in said spot wouldn't even be there because those picks would be traded to the Patriots. So, I mean, you're giving up several picks to get Belichick – I don't know that it, be, it's, it seems to be more winnable of a situation in New England than with some of these other teams that Colin points out. The actual question is the real question is if the Patriots got offered for Belichick, would they take it? That's more interesting of a discussion. If the Patriots got offered a trade for Bill Belichick, would they take it? I'm going to ask that question actually. Freddie Coleman, ESPN radio host. He's going to join us next. Would he trade Bill Belichick if he were the Patriots? That's the discussion we should be having. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM,
0: WDEVradio.com. One of the nicest guys in sports talk radio and one of the smartest.
3: We thought the Patriots, they're very good at keeping information from getting out. They're better than the FBI and the CIA.
0: It's time for our weekly conversation with ESPN's Freddie Coleman on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM and WDEVradio.com.
1: Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Wednesday, 545, favorite time of the week. Time to talk to our guy, Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host. You can hear him weeknights just right after me, well, a couple hours after me, 9 p.m. His show's going to start. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, Brady.
3: How are you holding up today, my man?
1: Uh, Holding up well. Happy the Patriots won. Red Sox have a manager, so lots of things to talk about here. I want to start... With this, because I was just talking about this, actually. I'm going to get into it again later. If you're the Patriots and Bill Belichick wants to leave at the end of the year, Would you trade Bill Belichick if you're New England? Boy, that's a really
3: good question, and I'm thinking if I'm the Patriots, I would trade. I would think about it, but I don't think Robert Kraft is going to do that. I still don't get the sense that Bill Belichick is doing the whole Swan Song thing. We know that Bill Belichick has an A-plus and a PhD in Jedi Mind Tricks, and he's going to use those (laughs) Mind Tricks to make sure he keeps that advantage and keeps everything in his favor. Mm -hmm. So I'm not exactly buying that Bill Belichick is not going to be part of a rebuild because I think they're rebuilding his way and the Patriot way, which is different than anybody else but i can't see that and if i'm robert crap i wouldn't do it when you have a man that's been so much of that organization just because they're having a down year does not mean the game has passed bill belichick by enough to say okay let's trade him and move away from that and thinking it's going to be okay especially believe that josh mcdance could be the heir apparent when it comes to
1: succeeding belichick i heard the guys on espn this morning talking talking about this if belichick did leave and whether i guess it's either retirement or just wants to go to another team How does that affect his legacy in your mind?
3: It doesn't affect his legacy at all because when you... When you're on that Mount Rushmore of coaches and many people consider him the greatest coach in the history of the National Football League, even if you move on to somewhere else, that's not going to affect your legacy. For example, Vince Lombardi, after all those years winning championships in Green Bay in the 60s, he went to the Washington Redskins near the end of his life, and that did not affect his legacy at all. So you can try to add it to a part of his legacy I think it should have a part. But when you've been one of the great teams in the history of the NFL, you developed one of the great organizations in the history of the NFL, when nobody saw that coming based on previous decades with new england patriots no matter what you do that's not going to affect what bill belichick has done with his legacy in the new england patriots
1: you know i'm going to end the show with this today i think I, I think belichick stays maybe even solely because he wants to pass it off to his son i'm starting to really think josh mcdaniel is going to is going to get squeezed out of this whole thing here i think Belichick, you know one of Belichick's son, probably Steve, who's kind of the de facto defensive coordinator, I think he wants him to take over for him. Well,
3: I clearly think that's going to be the case, but Robert Kraft is not going to allow that potential nepotism to influence any kind of decision, because I think there's a major reason why we see Josh McDaniels either not being, not being considered for jobs or turning down jobs ready. It's because maybe he's been told that Bill that, hey, when I leave here, when I retire, you're going to be the head coach. And you have the perfect person, I believe, in succeeding Bill Belichick outside of anybody that's going to be a family member and we don't we don't even know Steve Belichick wants to even coach we still don't know that because this is his first year being a defensive coordinator, second year being a defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots so we don't know if he has any designs on being a head coach because no one's going to know about that because they do things so covert, secretly when it comes to the Belichick family in New England so I could see maybe a a line of succession, but if it's going to be a line of succession, I think it goes to Josh McDaniels first before anybody related to Bill Belichick might be
1: considered. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host. You can hear him tonight, 9 p.m. right here on this station. It's the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I saw you guys talking about this last night. What would you make of Bill Belichick's comments on leaving the Jets? That was more honesty than we usually see from him on his weekly interview in Boston. Well, my co-host
3: Ian Fitzsimmons said it best about this year. It seems like it's been Bill Belichick unplugged that he is burying his soul like he's on a psychiatrist's couch. Hmm. He's doing commercials for Subway. He's really allowed whatever personality he has to be shown that does not involve winning a championship or having a team that's going to win a championship. So I think among the things with that Bill Belichick, he's letting it, be known to everybody, hey, even in a down year, I don't want to lose to that team. He is still going to hold a grudge against that organization, especially when he said the greatest moment of my NFL career was not being a part of the Jets organization even in a down year, he's going to let everybody know we may not win the division, but we still own them. We are not going to cast the Buffalo Bills, maybe in the Miami Dolphins, but we're still owning the New York Jets because that was completely unprovoked. The question was this, and then he went there and nobody could have anticipated that was going to be the answer from Bill Belichick. And believe me, I know plenty of Jets fans are upset about that. And I said, wait a minute, I'm a Jets fan too. We had 20 years of dealing with this with this guy winning championships and ruining the division. This is the hill you want to die on <laughs> that upset you. You should have been a lot more upset that our teams were never able to consistently win in the division or beat him in football games. I'm not dying on that hill with other people being upset that Bill Belichick shaded them after the Jets blew another game in which they had the game won by being up by 10 points in the
1: fourth quarter. You know, for as much as we've talked in the years, as much as I followed you, I didn't know you were a Jets fan.
3: Long suffering, which is kind of redundant, Brady, when you think about it. Long suffering a Jets fan being in the same sentence, but I've never ever looked at the Patriots as that evil empire or those stormtroopers. I wanted my team to be half as good as that I knew that was never going to happen So anytime you got a victory over the Patriots Whether it was that one playoff game that the Jets won Or even a regular season game You took time to rejoice because you knew that the next Five, six games were not going to be in your favor Being a Jets fan But I've never looked at them and hated on their success I wanted my team to be even Close to that orbit but they never ever got there But I never hate on greatness I don't care if it happens against my
1: team You see Cam Newton, they get the win, he plays better on Monday Wasn't perfect but he played better do you think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL moving forward?
3: I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but I think he'll still be on a roster next year, and it would not surprise me if that team is still the New England Patriots because they know that he's playing left-handed this year where you don't have that complimentary running game. The offensive line has been in flux. You had eight or nine guys on defense either opt out or get injured, so you don't have that compliment there to help out your quarterback. We've seen the last couple of weeks that he's played a lot better, that he's gotten a lot more comfortable, and I still go back to that COVID-19 diagnosis. What if that had Happened because that clearly interrupted whatever rhythm and flow that they were really finding a way to do that. When it comes to Cam Newton in that offense and Josh McDaniels being the play caller for the Patriots' offense, so I firmly believe that we're going to continue to see a, the kind of Cam Newton we saw in the first couple of weeks of the season. He's not going to throw for 300 yards every week, Brady, but that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not what that offense is going to be configured to make that work for Cam Newton. But if he can, if he's able to protect the football, not give it up, and the defense can play just a little bit better, then all of a sudden we're not talking about the page timing down season. I still don't believe they're going to make the playoffs. But all of a sudden, this being a 5-6 win team, I'm
1: not buying that either. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. I want to get you out of here on this. I find myself giving Alex Cora a free pass. And, yes, we're a Red Sox station, and, yeah, I'm invested in the Red Sox. I want them to be good. But I usually don't like cheaters or people associated with scandal. I find myself giving Alex Cora a free pass in part because – he comes off so likable. Do you ever find yourself not being as hard on someone simply because they are nicer. How much does that factor in anything you do? It really doesn't factor with me,
3: and here's why, Brady, because to me, right is right and wrong is wrong. And I hear what you're saying about Cora, and it's a very valid point to raise about him. I use the same kind of philosophy. Remember when Andy Pettit spoke before Congress? Yeah. Because Andy Pettit was so likable, people did not drill him or grill him as much as other people, meaning Roger Clemens, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, Sammy Sosa. If any one of those guys were a little bit more likable, they would not be dealing with the kind of things they still continue to deal with to this day by what they did involving themselves in the illegal performance enhancing drugs in Major League Baseball. But Andy Pettit, the first thing he said was an apology that I shouldn't have done this, I should have known better. The minute that he said that, whatever vitriol was going to come his way, never seemed to have that kind of steam. And you can use the same kind of tactic when it comes to Cora. People won't do that with Jeff Blue now because they still look at him as the, the evil Darth Vader yeah. with this whole way after the Houston Astros. But A.J. Hinch and court came off as so likable, it's not a surprise to me that both of these guys were back in baseball one year after they got suspended because I told people both of those guys have the ability to connect with players and they're talented managers. They understand the game, they understand the philosophy of baseball, they understand how to connect with players. Those guys were not going to be pariahs in Major League Baseball along the lines of Jeff now. And it's not surprising, Brady, that Jeff now is suing because he believes if those guys got another chance, then why can't I get one? People look at Jeff now, they don't think he's likable. They look at A.J. and Corey and say, yeah, we know you guys did wrong, but you're likable enough that we're willing to take a chance on you. Whatever blowback is going to happen, we'll deal with it. And, Brady, how much blowback have you heard with A.J. Hinch being hired and Cora being rehired by the Boston Red Sox? You haven't heard any of that because of the fact what you said. Those guys are likable enough, but let's not lose sight of this. They still were part of a wrong that happened to Houston Astros, but they won't have to deal with it as much as Jeff Blue now because of the fact that people like them and respect them a lot more than they do when it comes to Jeff Blue now.
1: Always the best. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, about 10 to 12 great minutes for us. On Wednesday and then we'll have multiple hours of greatness from him coming up tonight just a couple of hours his show begins at 9 p.m. Freddie, as always, thank you very much for your time and your perspective. We'll do it again next week. Anytime,
3: Freddie. Can't wait to do it again in seven days, and you would be well,
1: my man. Uh, you too. Freddie Coleman, simply uh, simply one of the best, one of the best guys in this business. So Freddie will join us uh, every single Wednesday, again, at 545. His show, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, is on at 9 p.m. Tonight, if you ever miss any of the interview with Freddie or any of our big interviews, again, you can find them on the Brady Farkas Show page, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at wdevradio.com. I've kind of motioned around as I do. Every day, kind of motion around to the staff on what I think the big takeaways are. So what we'll do, we'll let the staff cut up Freddie's interview, kind of get us to that point where he, we've got my biggest takeaways there. We come back, we'll do a couple of my midweek questions, and then we'll get into that uh, those biggest takeaways from Freddie Coleman. He wouldn't trade Belichick. I, I think that I would. I think I would trade Bill Belichick if the right offer came. I don't know what that right offer is. But I think I, I could see myself trading Bill Belichick if the right offer came. Freddie disagrees. We'll we'll get into that. So uh, we'll take a break. We'll step aside. Staff will cut up the uh, Freddie interview. We'll get to our biggest takeaways, get some big week questions as well. You're listening to The Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com.
0: Now it's back to The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM and WDEVradio.com.
1: All right, welcome back. Brady Farkin show right here, WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Uh, finishing up our takeaways here on the Freddie Coleman interview. So what we'll do is we'll uh, get those coming to you in a second here. Staff finishing cutting them up. Why don't we take this time to do, uh, do some midweek questions? Midweek questions. All right, so every single Wednesday we do this. We kind of put it where we have time. So today this happens to be the time where we have time to do it. So uh, things I'm wondering, things I've seen, things that are, I'm still thinking about. So I saw this from Keith Smith on Twitter. Keith Smith covers the Celtics specifically, but covers the NBA as a whole. He says his understanding, he says Danny Ainge says, his understanding is that Gordon Hayward and Enos Cantor will have until after the draft to exercise their player options for the season. So Gordon Hayward, Enos Cantor, the Celtics, they have player options. And it's Danny Ainge's understanding that they will have until after the draft to exercise them. This seems to make no sense to me. This seems to make no sense to me. The reason why is because this is horrible for teams going into the draft to not know if Hayward wants to opt in if Cantor wants to opt in the Celtics should have a right to know who they need and what positions they don't need right like they don't need a forward they don't need a center if cantor or Hayward opt in they should they deserve the opportunity to know that if Hayward wants to be traded then you want to know that he's opted in and that you subsequently want to move him before the draft so you can go and get picks that help you right away. I don't want to trade him after the draft and then get picks for next year. I don't. If I'm going to trade Gordon Hayward or Cantor or whatever, I want to know that going into the draft so I can use the draft as a way to gain something back in the deal. And simply, if you want to opt out, then fine. You want to know what you're missing going into the draft. Like, not knowing what the player is going to do prior to the – there's a reason why NFL free agency comes a month and a half before the draft. Teams like knowing, okay, who do we have? Who do we not have? What do we need to do in the draft? In the NBA, it's the opposite. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, we got time for a second question, right, everybody? Second one? Okay. Number two. All right, second question then. How much We talked about this last week, and we're going to do a lot of Alex Cora tomorrow because Lou Maloney, former Red Sox player, is going to join us. How much did Haim Bloom really want Alex Cora to be the new manager of the Boston Red Sox? Buster Olney of ESPN, Randolph Center, Vermont native, he said this this morning.
2: Think about how Heim Bloom, the head of baseball operations, would have been set up for an absolute disaster next year if he had hired a first-time manager in Boston and the Red Sox struggle. and that is the expectation that they probably will in 2021. He would have gotten destroyed. The new manager would have gotten destroyed. Bringing Alex back buys Heim two years. He uh, sets in his own program.
1: That's exactly what we talked about last week. Was Heim Bloom really convinced that Alex Cora was the guy or is he just the guy that gives Haim Bloom the longest runway? Buster's insinuating what I thought, that Cora gives Bloom that runway the fans will like it, the players will like it, the ownership group will like it so therefore if the team was bad it's their guy who failed it's not really on Bloom so Bloom can kind of wash his hands of the situation and say look I hired who you wanted me to so where if Bloom brought in his own guy, a Sam Fold or a Donnie Kelly or whoever was, the, manager, the bench coach in Pittsburgh, if he brings in one of those guys and the team is bad, everyone's going to be like, well, hey, he had a World Series champion manager right there who knows Boston, who likes Boston, who the players like. You chose not to go with that guy. If your guy fails, you are failing. I don't doubt that Heim Bloom likes Alex Cora. I just wonder if he knows – that Cora was the right choice because it bought him the most job security and not necessarily because Cora was simply the right choice baseball-wise. So we'll get more into that with Lou Merloni. Uh, We've got the Freddie Coleman takeaways now. So Freddie Coleman, who joined us just a couple of minutes ago from ESPN Radio, I asked him the question, there's all this talk about how Bill Belichick should leave the Patriots at the end of the year. People forget that if he wants to leave, he's going to have to be traded to another team. He's not just going to leave a contract and the Patriots get nothing. That's not going to happen. So I asked the question. Look, it's not so much. The question really is not would Belichick want to leave. The question is would the Patriots trade him if offered? I would. I would trade Bill Belichick if offered. I still think the Patriots are a fixable situation, but I don't think that they're necessarily a quick fix. I don't think they're a five-year plan. We don't do five-year plans in the NFL. I don't think they take that long. But I also don't think they're a Super Bowl champion next year. So do I need to hold on to a 70-year-old coach, almost 70-year-old coach, for a team that isn't as good, that isn't a division champion, that I think can be competitive, can be interesting, but that I don't think is ultimately going anywhere? And I just don't think that I do. I would. I mean, Bill Belichick back in 2000 netted the Patriots a first, a fourth, and a seventh back in 2000, and that was before Bill Belichick was Bill Belichick. Before Bill Belichick won six Super Bowls. Okay, what would Bill Belichick net now? A first-round pick this year, a first-round pick next year. I mean, you'd have to be talking like if Jalen Ramsey can net two first-round picks, if Jamal Adams can net two first-round picks, what would Bill Belichick net you? Something that I would have to strongly consider. The Patriots' biggest problems is that they the biggest problem is that they don't have a quarterback necessarily long term and that they are old. And you don't know Jason McCourty might retire, Devin McCordy might retire, Julian Edelman might might retire. So you're going to have key players, key older players to replace. You've got to jumpstart it with talent. If you can do that, if you can bring in if you can trade Bill Belichick and bring in a new head coach to infuse some youthful energy and then a front office group that will go and do the draft with all these – and the Patriots have, look, a lot of salary cap space coming up next year. They've got compensatory picks coming back in from when Brady left and when other guys left. I think Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton. Like, they've got extra draft picks. And then you throw in a trade for Bill Belichick. Now you're setting yourself up for the future. And if the much like a great player – Okay, why was what was the talk about trading Stefan Gilmore? Well, if they're not gonna win, why do they need a great D B? If they're not gonna win with Bill Belichick, why would I not consider trading him? Freddie Coleman says he wouldn't do it.
3: So, I'm not exactly buying that Bill Belichick is not going to be part of a rebuild because I think they're rebuilding his way and the Patriot way, which is different than anybody else. But I can't see that. And if I'm Robert Kraft, I wouldn't do it. When you have a man that's been so much of that organization, just because they're having a down year does not mean the game has passed Bill Belichick by enough to say, okay, let's trade him and move away from that.
1: It's not because I think Bill Belichick is bad. It's because I think trading Bill Belichick, if offered the right, like I'm not trading him for. Nothing. I'm not trading him for a sixth round pick. I'm talking two first round picks and a fourth. Like I'm talking high level draft capital. If Jamal Adams can be given up can be given two first round picks to the New York Jets from Seattle, Bill Belichick deserves two first round picks plus. And if that plus is good, I'm considering it. I'm old, I'm slow, I'm gonna have a top fifteen pick this year, maybe top ten by the time it's all said and done. I'm going to have my own good pick. I'll take your pick, and I'll take your first-round pick next year, whoever you are, and now we'll start to get the team youthful, fast, generate speed, we'll find our quarterback, and now we will go. If the Patriots trade – I mean, think about it. Patriots are right now picking 13th in the draft. If they trade Bill Belichick to somebody, okay, Colin wants him to go to the Jaguar or wants him to go to the uh, Chargers, whatever. Chargers have a quarterback in Justin Herbert, so they don't need a quarterback. If the Chargers give me their first-round pick, which as of right now is a top-five pick, top-seven pick, and it stays there, well, now we're talking about, okay, I've got a seven pick, I've got a 13 pick, now I could package it up and can I get into the top three, four to go get the quarterback of my dreams? Maybe. Those options are all there if you trade Bill Belichick. If the team's not going to win the Super Bowl, I don't need Bill Belichick. I don't think that they're going to. So unless they're going to spend massively in free agency and try to suck every bit of winning out of Belichick that they can, which I don't think they will, then they should they should listen if a trade offer comes. I don't know that it will, but they should listen if it comes because youth, speed, draft picks, future, all of that can be gotten in a trade for Bill Belichick. And you see head coaches traded. John Gruden got traded. Uh, Lou Pinella got traded. You, Bill Belichick got traded. You see coaches get traded. It does happen. It doesn't happen often, but it does. The only thing I'd be worried about, the only thing I'd be worried about is, would Bill Belichick take his staff with him? Is he going to take McDaniels? Is he going to take his kids? Is he, uh, Steve Belichick? Is he going to take the whole staff? I don't know. But – I can't give up everything, right? Like I've got to keep some guys here. If McDaniel's is the heir apparent, he's got to stay. If Steve Belichick's the heir apparent, he's got to stay. I can't let Belichick take the whole staff. I, and I'd probably have conditions. I wouldn't trade him to the AFC East, right? I wouldn't trade him to the. I probably wouldn't trade him to the AFC. Period. But Chargers top seven pick. Okay, maybe. But I'd like to trade him to the NFC. Okay, maybe Dallas cans Mike McCarthy. Maybe Jerry Jones wants Bill Belichick. Now I get a top-five pick from Dallas. They re-signed Dak Prescott. They don't need a quarterback. And boom, Mike McCarthy's gone. They get Belichick. Jerry hits his home run. Bill's with the Cowboys. And there we go. But I would be considering it 100% if the right offer was made. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Uh, also talking with Freddie Coleman, we were talking about Patriots quarterback Cam Newton, and I asked him, if, based on what you've seen, Is Cam Newton still a starting quarterback next season?
3: I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but I think he'll still be on a roster next year. And it would not surprise me if that team is still the New England Patriots because they know that he's playing left-handed this year where you don't have that complimentary winning game. The offensive line has been in flux. You had eight or nine guys on defense either opt out or get injured. So you don't have that compliment there to help out your quarterback. We've seen the last couple of weeks that he's played a lot better, that he's gotten a lot more comfortable.
1: He has played better. And I like Cam, you know this. I think Cam's going to hold out until the last possible opportunity next year. I think he wants to be a starter. So, let me admit, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to sign really early, like Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady did, so he knows, look, this is this is where I'm going. Or he's going to do what he did this year, sign really late, and kind of see what opens up after the draft and minicamp and preseason and injuries, etc. I don't think Cam Newton wants to be a backup. Cam Newton, and look, I don't begrudge him for that. I don't, look, if he wants to be selfish, then fine. I don't have a problem with that. Because if he wants to be a starter, then wait to be a starter. And if he can't be a starter, then don't play. But I don't begrudge Cam Newton if he he doesn't want to hold a clipboard, if he doesn't want to be a mentor. Not everybody. It's one of the most overrated things that we in the media can say. That guy's going to be a great veteran mentor. Not everybody wants to be a veteran mentor. Not everybody's cut out to be a veteran mentor. Tom Brady doesn't want a mentor. In fact, Jimmy Garoppolo, he wanted gone. He doesn't want a threat. He doesn't want to groom somebody. He doesn't want to help. Joe Flacco didn't want to help Lamar Jackson. He didn't want to help the guy Drew Locke in Denver. He said, look, this is my job. I'm not training somebody to take my job. Cam Newton doesn't want to just sit there and be a mentor to somebody and make that guy better so that his chance of playing is is less. And I don't hold that against him. I think it's 100% fine, 100% honest, and 100% understandable. Not everybody's Ryan Fitzpatrick who can take it and handle it with grace. I couldn't. If you told me today that, hey, Brady, we're going to bring on a 20-year-old intern, and you're going to train him so that he can take your job and host this show someday, I would say, hell no. Nope. And I'd be ticked. Or if they said, hey, Brady, you've been doing this for seven years. We're going to offer you a part-time job working from midnight to 4 a.m. I'd say, nope, I'm going to wait for the good job to come. So I don't – when Freddie says, oh, Cam's going to be on a roster, I don't think he's – that's a guarantee. He's going to be on a roster if he's a starter because he doesn't see himself as a backup. And I think Cam is a great teammate. I don't think that Cam is a great teammate – to a a quarterback over him. And I don't mean that badly. I think that's human nature. He wants to play, and I don't see him as that guy who's just going to help some draft pick or he's just going to latch on somewhere like Blaine like Gabbard and just hang on forever. That's not what I see. I love Freddie, but I disagreed with him on both of those takes today. Cam will be on a roster if he's a starter. I think Cam would rather not play than be a backup on the bench. I think the reason why he came to New England this year is because they offered him a chance to be a starter. If they didn't, I think he would have waited, scanned the marketplace, see who got hurt, and maybe he would end up in Dallas or see who guys want to get replaced. He could have ended up in San Francisco when Garoppolo got hurt, whatever. I think that's what Cam would have done, and I think Cam would do it next year. He's on a roster if he has an opportunity to be a starter. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WWW. WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. It is Wednesday. That means it's time for us to start to preview the Patriots' next game quickly. So let's get a little to Know Your Enemy.
0: It's time for Know Your Enemy. Patriots are
1: taking on the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. And I'm actually shocked that this game is still on Sunday Night Football. I know the networks are infatuated with Cam. And I know the networks are infatuated with Lamar Jackson. So that's probably why they kept it. But... The Ravens 6-2 and two and the Patriots 3-5 and five, doesn't really seem like an even fight. I'm surprised, honestly, that it stuck around in the primetime window. This game is really all about Lamar Jackson as far as I'm concerned because he was the MVP last year. But he's kind of been figured out as a passer this season. You know, he's only thrown for more than 208 yards once. Like, we think Cam is not thrown for very many yards. Okay, 175 here. 145 here. Like Lamar Jackson thrown for 208 yards or more once. Or I guess 209 yards or more once. And it was on opening day. He threw for 275 yards on opening day. Josh Allen threw for 420 the other day. Lamar Jackson thrown for 275. That's his high. 208 is his second high. That's not great. Now, Lamar was great last year. He's been great in prime time he's four and one in his career in prime time he's 25 and five as a starter. the overall numbers look good but as a passer this year he's been kind of figured out and the team is now limiting him. you know in a passing league where everybody throws, they've only entrusted him to throw it 30 times once 22 here, 26 here, 24 here. they are limiting Lamar Jackson. And if the Patriots can confuse Jackson and force a couple of turnovers, or if they can make the Patriots or make the Ravens one-dimensional, that's where you have a shot if you're New England. The Ravens are an elite running team. They're number one in the league in, in rushing offense, and Lamar Jackson is a major reason for that and a major reason part of that. If New England can limit the run, force them into third and long, and dare Lamar Jackson to beat him as a passer, he hasn't been able to do that this year. And it's interesting to see because we just think the Ravens are a juggernaut. And we think that Jackson is a juggernaut, but the numbers don't really bear that out. He's only thrown at 30 yards or 30 times once. He's only thrown for more than 208 yards once. If they can force you into third and long, if they can take away the run a bit, if they can make the, the Ravens one dimensional, they got a shot. I don't think they're going to win, but they got a shot. J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, the running attack is very, very good. The defense is good enough to stop this Patriots offense. But if it came down to Lamar Jackson as a passer, then the Patriots would have a shot that way. It's the Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We'll take a break. We'll come back. I was in the lab last night with Doug Flutie. Some excellent stuff here. So Flutie and I put out a new podcast that came out just today play some of the highlights back for you. Daily Dose of Doug, that's coming up next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com.
0: So Brady does a podcast with former Patriots quarterback Doug Flutie. Doug is a lot more famous than Brady. Flutie flushed, throws it down. Caught by Boston College! I don't believe it! Doug is a lot smarter than
4: Brady. So much in football is the guys surrounding you. Your success is dependent on
0: the guys on the field and that team. So let's listen to Doug. It's your Daily Dose of Doug on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com.
1: All right, welcome back. Brady Farkas Show right here. WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. Yeah, Doug Flutie and I do a podcast together. It's called the Believe in Patriots podcast. I didn't make up the name. It's hosted on the Believe podcast network. So you can find that anywhere you get your podcast. B-L-E-A-V. And Doug and I talked yesterday for like an hour and a half, and I It continues to be unbelievably fun, number one. Two, the content I think is great. And three, just learn a lot. And people who have listened have said they've learned a lot, too. So we were talking about Cam Newton. We talked about the idea of a game manager. Remember, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. So here was Doug Flutie quickly with his thoughts on the idea of a game manager. And I mean, very quickly.
4: The Patriots are not going to win a Super Bowl being a game manager or quarterback.
1: Patriots are not going to win a Super Bowl. This year or any other year, with a game manager at quarterback, and I've thought a lot about the term since we spoke about it yesterday on the show. So I've thought a lot about it in the last 24 hours. I think a game manager is good for teams who are on the on the bottom, right? If you took an F team and gave them a C quarterback or a B minus quarterback, that would elevate them, right? Like that would make them better but if you have a team that is in A and you give them a B minus quarterback it becomes a limiting factor okay if a team is really bad that needs to limit mistakes then this guy makes them respectable okay alex smith took the chiefs from they were picking number 1 in the draft before he got there and then they're in the playoffs okay they're not a powerhouse but they're in the playoffs they don't necessarily win in the playoffs but they're there And you instantly then have raised up that team from awful to a degree of credibility. And that's very, very commendable. But then when the team is really humming, and you've got Tyreek Hill there, Travis Kelsey's there, the team is young, and it's cresting, well, then you need Patrick Mahomes. Because Alex Smith no longer is good enough to elevate guys. That's kind of where I'm at with the term game manager. It's good for the teams that are bad. Carolina last year was awful. Teddy Bridgewater comes in, team is better. They're still not great. 3-6 and or whatever, but Teddy Bridgewater has made that team respectable. Game manager. Teddy Bridgewater is not a guy who's going to light you up for 375 and four scores. He's a guy who's much more likely to light you up for 175 and one score, but he's not going to turn it over. Game managers are okay when you are at the bottom. And even this year, Cam, how he played on Monday is okay. This team right now is not very good. And while, yes, they're still mathematically in the playoff conversation, we all realistically know they're not going deep into the playoffs. So if Cam plays like he did on Monday, then that makes the team more capable of winning a couple of extra games this year. But ultimately, it's not going to be special. And when you finally break through, you need a little bit of special. You need Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, um, Lamar Jackson, doing something with his legs, Kyler Murray. When you finally get to that point, you can't have the game manager anymore. Think of the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins was good at the beginning for them, right? Comes in, doesn't turn it over too much, just kind of plops the ball down the field methodically. Doesn't take a lot of bad risks. See, when the team is, you know, if the team was 4-12 and before, Kirk Cousins is going to raise you up. Team's 8-8. and But when the team is finally ready to go, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is no longer good enough anymore. So that's what I've come to realize. Game manager is only a bad term when you think that the rest of the team is really good and you think that the rest of the team is ready. When the team is bad and the team needs to be picked up, that game manager is probably the best thing for you because it provides a degree of stability. But when you're ready... And the Patriots aren't there right now. So Doug's right. To win a Super Bowl, I think you need some special. In the day, right, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl game manager. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl game manager. Back in the day, even when the day was 15 years ago, you could win with a defense. You could win with a defense in a running game and a game manager. A lot harder to do that now in the NFL because the the game is so offense-driven. You still need to be able to make some stops. But you can't build the team entirely on defense anymore. Quarterback, more important, more expensive. Wide receiver, more important. Running back, devalued on a contract basis, but running backs, still important. Tight end, more important. Left tackle, more important. The, the game is built around offense. You can't win like the Ravens won in 04. You can't win like the, the, or the Ravens won in 2000. You can't win like the Bucks won in 04. You need some special at quarterback. And you just you don't have that with Cam right now. Game manager's fine for where this team is at this season. It's not fine once eventually the team, or any team, gets on the cusp where they're ready to win. Uh, continuing on, we talked a little bit, Doug and I, about the conservative nature that the Patriots are playing and the conservative nature that Cam is playing. And we talked about, I asked him, where's the balance between being a game manager who doesn't lose you the game and being too conservative and afraid to take a shot?
4: The fine line is, don't turn it over. Don't turn it over. You start to protect the football and take the quick check down, but you stop making plays. And as a quarterback, you can't lose confidence. You can't lose the ability to beat aggressive.
1: Think about risk-taking. I think Doug is right, right? The Cam's in his own mind thinking, don't turn it over. Don't turn it over. If I turn it over, I might lose my job. If I turn it over, we lose the ball. And now the other team goes on and score, and now we can't come from back from behind. Like the negative I've talked to you about negative imagery and negative thought process. I think that's where Cam's at, and that's what Doug says. So you get so conservative because you don't want to make the big mistake. And a lot of people I think will crush that way of thinking. Like, oh, just gunsling it, just fling it all around the yard, not everybody can do that because not everybody has ultimate job security. Think about it. Think about where Cam's at right now. A four-turnover game of him just flinging it around the yard ends his season with the Patriots, potentially it might end his career. I get why he's conservative, right? I get why he doesn't want to make the big mistake. Patrick Mahomes, he could throw four picks in a game, and it's okay. He's got a $500 million contract. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. These guys can throw four picks. Baker Mayfield can't throw four picks anymore. He doesn't have the security anymore. Daniel Jones, he's teetering. He can't really throw four picks in a game anymore without, again, those questions coming of Joe Judge and without the thought creeping in. Ryan Fitzpatrick knew, I can't throw four picks because two is here. If Tyrod Taylor had kept the job with the Chargers, he would have known I can't throw four picks in a game because they got this kid behind me. That is how players who are uneasy about their situation feel. And it's the same in real life, right? I just got this job. Okay. I've been here for two months. I don't have a whole lot of say in what happens here, right? I so I don't even it's not even picking my battles. I just don't make battles. If there's something I didn't like, if there's something I didn't want to do, I would just do it. Because I don't have the ability, like, they've shown for 89 years, 89 years and, you know, 10 months, that they can play without Brady Farkas. I don't have any standing here to go in and say something. But someone who's been here for 20 years, they got a lot of equity in the company. They can say something. They have standing. They're not going to be chastised for it. And I'm not saying I'm going to be chastised because management here is great, but just in general, you know what's your business that – The people who have been there forever have more power. Well, it's the same in football. Cam doesn't have that power in New England to just go and be reckless with the football. He's got to be judicious. He's got to be diligent. And Mahomes doesn't. You don't want to throw four picks if you're Mahomes, but you have the ability to throw four picks, and it's okay. Four picks in New England ends Cam's career. So I understand the fine line that he is flirting with. Flutie then told me, Well, how can you be aggressive? He told me, how can I be aggressive if I'm Cam? Well, also not being stupid or careless.
4: You can still be aggressive with the football and not turn it over. You miss in the safe spot. If I'm going for that corner route, it's going to be high and outside. It's going to be away from the defender. I'm going to make my guy go to the ball. I'm going to put it in the spot that only he can get it and the other guy can't. And a big part of being able to be aggressive and still protecting the ball is understanding what you're seeing, the coverage you're seeing.
1: So the coverage you're seeing kind of dictates everything. So that's where Flutie was finishing with that. Um Continues to be educational. Talking with, with Doug has made me so much more aware of football, and I thought I knew football pretty well. Talking with him has opened up a whole different language, a whole different vernacular. I understand that. There's some things we do in the podcast that are really kind of on the nitty-gritty and maybe not appealing to just the general football fan who shows up on Sunday. But that's why I try to bring some of the more big-hitting points to the show here the next day. I thought that was really interesting. You can be aggressive without being reckless. And that shows you the level of precision that it takes to play quarterback. When he's talking about, well... I'm going to put it only on, I'm I'm going to miss high, I'm going to miss low, I'm going to miss left, I'm going to miss right, where only my guy can get it. I mean, that requires a level of precision that's pretty amazing. And you think about Cam also. Cam doesn't have great mechanics, so therefore not great accuracy. So he can't necessarily throw it in the exact spot that Flutie's telling you that you need to flow it. Then he says, you've got to be able to trust that you're reading coverage correctly. Well, does Cam trust that? Not that Cam is is not smart, because he is but you're reading coverages differently now. You're sliding protections in a different way. You have different teammates, different audible calls. Cam's thinking about a lot of things for just him and then also has to think about the rest of his teammates on the field. In Carolina, at Auburn, it was a well-oiled machine. He knew everything. He drove the bus. Now he's playing catch-up. So you can understand why it would be really hard for him to trust everything that he's seeing because he's trying to process it, and evidently he's probably processing it a little slower than he needs to, and then you couple that with some not great mechanics, and that level of precision just isn't quite there. So, it continues really to be very, very interesting. So It's called the uh, Believe in Patriots podcast. Doug Flutie and I, former Patriots quarterback, CFL Hall of Famer, Heisman Trophy winner. We do them twice a week. We spoke for an hour and a half last night. First episode of the week came out uh, today. Next one comes out uh, on Friday, so a lot of fun there with Doug, and we bring it to the show every single day. All right, let's um, uh, let's see here. Let's get quickly into crazy Twitter takes. we got time.
0: The internet, it's a really weird place. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it?
2: Yeah. I can't put anything on the internet that isn't true.
0: Where'd you hear that? The, the internet. internet. It's time for crazy Twitter takes on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com.
2: Crazy pills.
1: All right, real quick. This coming from a Giants fan. We are talking about Bill Belichick earlier. says, if I'm the Giants, part of my five-year plan would include welcoming home Bill Belichick. He has maybe two to three years left of coaching, and New England helped make him the greatest coach in NFL history. I'd give him the keys to the castle and offer him president of football operations. It's not entirely crazy because Bart Scott, former Jets linebacker, He also thinks that this could happen.
2: I can see Bill Belichick coming and pulling a Phil Jackson and being the general manager for the New York football Giants.
1: So, Bart wants him to be the GM. This texter, this tweeter wants him to be head of football ops and the actual coach. This is the NFL, buddy. You don't get five-year plans. You don't get five-year plans. Also... Belichick does believe in loyalty. I don't think he'd do this to Joe Judge, a guy who just coached for him, who Belichick recommended for this job. The Giants made more sense last year than this year, right? Because they needed a coach. They'd fired Pat Shermer. Gettleman, I know, and Belichick might have had a power struggle, but the job was open last year. It's not open now. The Giants are a better situation than some of the other teams we'd heard about, partly because the NFC East is such a disaster and kind of still projects to be for at least the next couple of years. But Belichick really wouldn't do that to Joe Judge. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, Number one, it doesn't make any sense to me for the Giants to pursue it because they have Joe Judge. And I don't think that Belichick would do that to his guy. So uh, that's crazy. Twitter takes for the day. Remember, tomorrow we're going to have a lot of Alex Cora and Red Sox talk. Lou Loney is going to stop by from WEEI. He's also a former Red Sox infielder, played six years for Boston. So that's tomorrow at 5 45. When we come back, who's saying what? That's coming up next on the Brady Farkas show on WDEV, AM, and FM and WDEVRadio.com.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? The passing game was atrocious today. This passing game is in big time trouble. They really said that? The Patriots, they're an average offense. If you
4: cannot be explosive on offense, you cannot hang in the NFL.
0: It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com.
1: Welcome back. Brady Farkas Show right here. WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. Uh, Bill Belichick is the one. We've been talking a lot about Belichick today. Again, tomorrow, a lot of Red Sox stuff. But we are been talking a lot about Belichick today. He had everybody up in arms with this comment he made yesterday. So he was talking to Weei as he does every single Tuesday, and he was talking. We're going to have Lou Maloni on tomorrow. I'm going to have to ask him about this. He was talking to Lou Maloni's show about leaving the New York Jets and Belichick, who never says anything and really doesn't say a lot in that interview weekly with Maloni and company. He talked about getting traded from the New York Jets back in two thousand.
3: One of the not only most defining, but you know, one of the one of the great moments of my career and. That combined with, uh, you know, Robert giving me the opportunity to come here, I mean, that's, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything more. So, it's just, that wasn't a good situation for me, and I didn't want to be part of it, so I wasn't. But um, the other half of that was Robert giving me the opportunity to come here and trading, I and mean, he
1: gave up, you know, quite a bit to, to get me to come here. That was a big trade, and so I'm very
2: thankful uh, that it worked out.
1: That's an amazing level of honesty from Belichick. Again, he never says anything. He doesn't really say anything in that interview either. And I don't know what the motivation was from it. People have said that Belichick must be on the way out because he's being way too honest for himself. So he's, he sounds like a guy who's being very reflective. And generally, when you get reflective, it means you're about to leave. I don't buy that. Could just be that he hates the Jets, and Freddie Coleman said he hates the Jets. So he just wants to stick it to the Jets at every possible time that he can. That's, pos- that's more believable. I don't really know what the answer is, to be honest with you. I I don't know. I don't think it's because he's leaving. I don't think it's because he's just getting reflective as he gets older. Uh, He's had plenty of chances over his career to take shots at the Jets. I don't know that he needs to take shots at the 0-9 Jets. I'm more interested in – I had to go back and read the story on Bill Belichick and the Jets because I knew, right, like that Belichick was Parcells' guy and they'd worked together in New York and they'd worked together in New England and they worked together with the Jets. So Belichick was going to take over for the Jets, and it was all set in place that when Parcells retired, Belichick was going to get the job. But the owner who had kind of consummated the deal for the Jets had passed away, so there wasn't even an owner. So Belichick wasn't quite sure of his standing in the organization. So I think that's what he's saying when he refers to the fact that it wasn't a great situation for him: is that he didn't know this owner. There was no owner, and whoever the owner became might not want Belichick. And so that's why I think he wanted to extricate himself from that situation. So ultimately, I think that's why he did. But the fact that he is saying that now, and and as I listen to the interview, I don't even think it was really a like the question didn't really elicit that answer. So people will say, and Colin was saying, oh, Belichick's getting reflective. He's, he's out. I don't think that, oh, Freddie says, he's just trying to stick it to the jets. That's possible but I just think that Belichick is just being more open, and I don't know that there's an ulterior motive to it. There's always something with Belichick, but I don't think this one is some kind of dastardly deed here. I think Bill Belichick is just being open, and at almost 70 years old, I think he understands that his time is, is more limited and that he doesn't have to be a closed book on everything, and he gave up a little something there. Probably a little bit of a jab at the Jets, a little bit of a jab at Jets fans, and beyond that, I think it was relatively honest. But it had everybody up in arms yesterday. It was very, very interesting to see what Twitter thought of that because the people who think Belichick's retiring or leaving, they took it to be like, hey, he's shown his appreciation for Robert Kraft. He's shown his appreciation for the organization. He's taken his shot at the Jets and how much better the Patriots are than the Jets and how much better the situation was, so he must be out. I, I don't take it that way, but you know, I do think it's interesting to see him being more open. We'll have to ask... Lou Maloney about that tomorrow. Let's get to closing thoughts, though.
0: Closing thoughts.
2: Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.
1: All right, closing thoughts. It continues to be about Bill Belichick today, and I was thinking about this also in relation to what we've been talking about. If Bill Belichick left... What would it mean to his legacy? Freddie Coleman talked talk to us earlier. He doesn't think it would do anything to his legacy. Like he doesn't think there would be anything wrong with Belichick's legacy if he left. I disagree. I think that it would be damaged, depending on the way in which he left, depending on the circumstances with which he left. Let me think about. Let's let's examine the possible things that could happen. If Bill Belichick just retired, he looks like a quitter, right? He looks like the Patriots were bad, and he doesn't see any way out, so he looks like a quitter. Absolutely. And Patriot fans will look at it like, you let Brady leave in a power struggle. You let Brady leave, and you thought you could fix it, and you can't. So, therefore, now we've lost our quarterback, who's still good, and we've lost our head coach. When the guy leaves first, you get mad like brady people are probably disappointed at but you're like okay we still got belichick if belichick let brady leave and then he leaves himself patriot fans will be furious and that will harm his legacy especially given the way and the manner in which belichick kind of strong-armed brady brady wasn't given the chance to stay belichick thought he could win without him and if he can't and he guts the team of brady and the team is bad and then belichick ups and leaves Fans are not going to stand for that, and uh, Ryan Clark of ESPN, he agrees.
4: If he leaves after this year, I don't see that as retiring. I don't see that as resigning. I see that as quitting. I see that as your your, your star quarterback, the the, gold, the greatest of all time left. He went somewhere else. You tried to do it one year. You didn't like it, and you quit. And to me, that would affect his legacy more than him trying to rebuild this thing and then not coming to fruition and him having to pass it on to Josh McDaniel.
1: Completely agree. Think about also if Belichick went to another team. If Bill Belichick leaves for another team, you would be furious also as a Patriot fan, and that would also affect his legacy. Okay, not only would you get the message sent to you that your organization was no longer good enough and that your team was so bad that it wasn't worth fixing, like, and you'd be mad at Belichick like, hey, buddy, you were the GM. You were the guy making the moves. If the team is bad, it's because of you. You don't get to leave us with the mess and then go on and get out of the mess. Why do Pete Carroll at, at USC gets the place? USC gets admired in all kinds of, you know, allegations and sanctions from the NCAA, and then leaves. People can't stand him in Southern California for that. John Calipari, what's the biggest knock on him? Everywhere he goes, he leaves a wake of NCAA investigations and punishments behind, but he never has to see them. UMass, probation, punishments, Memphis, probation, punishments, and he just keeps leaving and going on to better jobs. That That's the reason why people can't stand Calipari. He seems dirty because of that. He leaves this trail of destruction, and he's always okay. People will view Belichick in that same way. If he costs you your franchise quarterback and the team is bad because of personnel decisions you made or didn't make and the team can't draft because of you, then fans will be mad if you just up and leave. They'll respect you. If you try to build it and can't, fans will respect you more, like Ryan Clark said. He is right about that. But if you leave and go to some other what you think is a ready-made positive situation, and you leave a trail of destruction in New England, fans will never forgive you for that. And the six Super Bowls will matter. But in New England, in that city, you're going to have a black eye on you forever. People will still be thankful and will still be appreciative, but fans will not forget that. And again, if Belichick left, it would register different than Brady. People are disappointed that Brady's not playing for New England. They know it's because of Belichick. If Brady was really given the chance to sign a deal in New England, don't you think he would have? Belichick didn't give him that chance. So people look at it like, you know what? Tom wanted to play. Bill didn't want him. So he goes to Tampa. He's out of the division. He's out of the conference. He's not a threat. And people are able to root for the Bucs on Sunday in addition to the Patriots. If Belichick leaves, you got no Brady. Brady you've got no what we thought, you know, no greatest of all time quarterback, no greatest of all time coach. And you have a team that is in completely complete disarray. Fans will not forget that it would it would register different than Brady because when Brady left, okay, we still got Bill. If you lose Bill and Brady and Bill is the reason you lost Brady, fans will not get over that. By the way, I also think that part of the the reason I think he's staying in New England is because of legacy. He wants I, – I think he wants to turn this over to his son, Steve. Steve is the defensive coordinator. I don't think he wants to give it to McDaniels. I think at this point – it's like five years ago if he wanted out, McDaniels would have been the guy. Three years ago he probably would have. But now he's stuck around long enough. I think he wants to pass it off to his son. I think Josh McDaniels is the guy who's going to get squeezed out here. And by the way, I'm fine with it. McDaniels, I don't like all his play calling. I don't think he has much of a personality. I, he doesn't seem to be a guy. He's already failed in Denver. I'd rather give it to Belichick's son. If we're going to keep it in the family in terms of the Patriot family, I'd rather give it to Belichick's son. I think he'll stay because of legacy. He doesn't want to be remembered negatively by Patriot fans, and he wants to stick around long enough to hand it to his son, Steve. As show the as always, the show is sponsored by the all-new Preston's Kia in Montpelier, home of Lifetime, oil changes, and state inspections. Preston's Kia is family-owned and operated and they will do whatever it takes to earn and keep your business. Another show in the books. If you missed any of it, you can download it the podcast afterwards on Apple Podcast, Spotify or on the WDEV Radio app. You can see it or wdevradio.com. Lou Marloni, Red Sox insider, former Red Sox player. He's going to stop by tomorrow give his take on Alex Cora and uh Looking forward to talking to him. That'll be tomorrow at 545. Until then, have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com.